with me and open your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 12. And for all of you that thought I died last week, I didn't die. I had uh, already scheduled Wade to speak for us. And once again, he brought a wonderful message. I already heard from many people. And I don't know how else to tell you except to tell you it wasn't the flu. It wasn't a cold. I felt like if I moved, I would throw up. Now, that may be scary in the pew, but you can imagine on the stage. And so I said, I'm just going to stay home and not share that blessing with y'all. And well, it gets better. So Izzy, they come home and Izzy runs in. You know, mama says, now, you know, leave daddy alone. Don't wake him. And they run right from the bedroom, jump in the bed. And she said, daddy, you've been asleep this whole time? 1.16 p.m. I was, I slept that whole time. So Sunday night, I came just vivacious and ready and none of y'all were here. So I'm not happy with you. I don't know what happened. But all I hear is Sunday nights. When are we going to do Sunday nights? And then it wasn't but a couple of you. But I, no offense, no offense. You do that again and I'm going to pray some special blessings on you. Okay. See, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, Hebrews 12. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screens, amen. Nobody's looking at screens. Every one of y'all looking at screens. Okay. Wherefore, seeing that we, believers, Christians, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How are we to run? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him was the redeeming of your life from death unto life, from alienation to acceptance. It was the restoration of you to God. That was his motivation for the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, Jesus, that endured all this hatred, this contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? And I don't take this for granted. I'm I'm sincere in asking that the Lord would use me this morning. Because the, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. And we can't afford one more message or sermon anywhere that's not anointed by God's spirit. We, we must hear from the Lord in this day. So, Father, I just humble myself before you and I ask you, O oh Lord, uh, first of all, I thank you for the grace that covers my many sins. And I thank you, Lord, for loving me as we sang today. And I just present myself uh, an unprofitable servant at best, but I know that you can use me because you've called me. And so I'm asking you to use me today for the glory of your son and the benefit of your people. Allow me to open up the scriptures in such a way that it would bring light to our eyes and hope to our souls. And that we might receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to deliver us. Speak to me, O Lord, today. Now with every eye closed, if you will, I want you just to put one hand on your heart with God watching and say, speak to me today, Lord. So be it. In Jesus' name. You may be seated this morning. Many years ago in my glory days, that's what I call the college years, the glory days when I was thin, fine, fast, athletic, long, flowing, curly hair. Not on my back, but on my head. Uh, I remember one specific event. It was the Greek games, and I was the sprinter for SAE at these Greek games. And there's seven of us lined up, and I am ready to go, man. No training, but fast. I was so fast that fast people used to say, that was something fast. That means you're right by them. So I'm down, I'm standing there like this. You know, we don't have blocks or anything, so you're just at Porter Stadium. Y'all remember Porter? Okay, Porter Stadium, and so we're down like this. And I look across, and I only got one competition. It was the wide receiver for Sigma Nu, but I got his number. I've outrun him many times, and I'm ready to go. And I look over, and Phi Delta Theta, who happened to be at that time just the, hey, dude, you know, eyes barely closed. And he had on wallabies. 
Guys, you know what wallabies are? Like off-brand, Buster Brown, leather lace-up, orange, hard rubber, wallabies. And I remember looking at him going, he doesn't want to be here, and he's not planning on winning. You know, it's kind of like the guy that uh, put his donkey in the Kentucky Derby, and they said, what do you think you're doing? You think he'll win? He goes, no, I just thought the association doing good. I didn't think nothing about it, you know. So I looked at this guy, and I'm like, I just perplexed. You know, one of those moments that the Lord brought back to my mind later, and of course, I happened to win. You know, we do the starting block, I win, Sigmund who come in second. And my boy Wallaby, he's like, you know, way, way back. And the Lord brought that back to my mind. And when you can remember back in college, that's a miracle. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart several years ago that that's how many Christians run their race. You can tell by how they show up if they plan on winning or not. The preparation of their heart, the preparation of their mind, the preparation of their soul, the direction, the goal, you can tell by how they present themselves if this is a serious thing. And this is the only serious thing. Your life is many things. It's a journey. It's a walk. It is a stewardship. But it's also a race. And I want to speak to you on the subject this morning by the grace of God, unencumbered. I looked up the definition for unencumbered and one of the synonyms was free. Free as a bird. Not tangled. Loose. Loosened. Not hindered. Not held back. In this passage, there are four things I want to speak to you about this morning by God's grace. Our predecessors, our predicament, our preparation, and our promise. And I'll give them to you in a moment as well. Number one, if you're taking notes, our predecessors. Verse one, keep your Bible open. Seeing that we're also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That does not mean that all the saints that pass before us can look down and watch our lives. But the Bible doesn't say that they don't know either. What it means is, in context, and don't forget, when you study the Word of God, context is king. Context is critical. And don't take anything out of context. The chapter before listed many, many Old Testament saints and their lives of both successes and failures. And the context is, since we are surrounded with so many examples of people who ran well, of people who ran well and quit, People who ran well and failed. People who ran well, failed, and got back up again and started. It it, it rehearsed the victories as well as of the failures. It's a seeing that we have so great a cloud of witnesses. So it's imperative for us to see ourselves in the collective grouping of the body of Christ. The history of all those that have ran this race in faith. We have took the same paths. We've experienced the same difficulties, the same pressures, and the same burdens, same disappointments, same discouragements, same disillusionments. Their lives were uprooted. They were rescued. They were brought low and taken high. Their lives, some of them were cut short. Some were extended. Some lived in obscurity, and others lived before every eye to see. Lives that saw the miracles of God but their lives demanded miracles. It was so difficult. Lives that saw the glory of answered prayer and others who died in the hope of answered prayer. Lives that were delivered from Pharaoh's hand, walked through the open sea on dry ground, fed manna in the wilderness and drank from a rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Their life is our life and our life was their life and they made it. That's what I want you to see. They made it. But others died in the wilderness. They were delivered. They saw the glory of God. They saw the hand of God. They witnessed the intentions of God. And they quit. We like to say, well, yeah, but mine's more difficult. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that there's no temptation, no test, no proving that has taken you, but such as is common to man. And we like ours to be harder so that there can be some drama about it. And I'm not making light of anyone today. I am no stranger to pain and sorrow. But you're not the first one somebody's spouse walked out on you. You're not the first one that hurts all day, every day. And you're not the first one that something's missing in your childhood. Something wasn't given or something was taken away. You're not the first one to be abandoned or betrayed. You're not the first one to be disappointed with God and disillusioned and walk around not knowing what is going on. It's common. And when you say it that way, it takes the glory out of it. It's common stuff. They were sawn in half for their faith. We are, we are rotten and we don't even know it. In third world countries, they risk their lives to go to church. And many, if not most, decide the morning of if they're going to offer the Lord their worship that day. Life is hard. The Bible tells us as sparks fly upward, so is a man born unto trouble. And contrary to popular, shallow, deluded preaching, God did not come to make my life easy. God come to redeem me and prepare me for heaven. And the sad reality is that there were many witnesses before us that did not make it. For every Samuel, there was a Levi. For every Abel, there was a Cain. For every Jacob, there was an Esau. And for every David, there was a Saul. The difference was not found in where they ran or when they ran, but in how they ran. Elijah's challenge to them in the Old Testament is God's challenge to us today. If God be God, then follow him. If Baal or anything else or anyone else is God, then follow them. How long do we halt between two opinions? How long will we live powerless and anemic and, and excuses and rationalizations? How long before we call sin, sin? We are Bible thumpers. We declare that God's word is immutable and we pick and choose from it on how to live. We are encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses that made it through the most difficult of times and finished their race with joy and hope. Someone has been dealt the cards that you've been dealt and they built a life out of it. And I'm not beating you up. I'm encouraging you today. And that's why he said, understand the cloud of witnesses. They're the proof that it can be done. Stop wallowing in that. And get up and move. No, listen, the devil has great power, but he has no power on the inside of a Christian soul. And he can knock me down, but he cannot stop me from getting up again. He cannot. He can hinder me, but he cannot change my direction. He is not the author of my pace, and he has no say in my destination. And there's a great cloud of witnesses of widows and prostitutes that turned their life around and made it happen. Fallen kings, fallen prophets, insignificant people, significant people. And they all made it because they decided to follow God. Our predecessors, I don't know how much they see. I don't know what they see. But if God lets them look on. If God ever lets, how many of you have close family already there? I, if my dad knows, I know mama, he's like, run sugar, run. John, don't quit. John, 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 run, run. I made it through cancer, buddy. Come, come on, come on. And we need to sober ourselves and wake up and stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Life is hard. Take a number. It's hard for everyone. And our Christian life, we, we have given away 
The promises of God for circumstantial feelings. God said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You are more than a conqueror through the one that loved you, and that's me. More than a conqueror. Overcoming is not easy. If overcoming was easy, there'd be more overcomers. But just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's not simple. Overcoming is simple. You get, you repent, you get back up, and you get back in line with God and God's word, and you get moving. Our predicament, number two, is global lawlessness. The acceleration, the availability, the acceptance, and the celebration of evil. Because iniquity abounds, the love of many grow cold. I'm not a soapbox preacher, but you can't listen to what the world's singing all day. And you can't watch what they're putting on TV and all day and not be affected by what you're watching and listening to. You can turn on, let, let's pick a kind of innocuous, it's not the worst of, but lifetime. Happy, sappy. Let's watch a Lifetime movie. And this lady who married her high school sweetheart, and it wasn't really all she had hoped to be, uh, all it had, she had hoped he would be, and it would be, welcome to marriage. And, and she just, you know, found another guy that she l- kind of knew in high school, and it's 10 years after the fact. And you're an hour into the movie, and you're hoping she leaves her husband to get with this guy because she deserves to be happy. You are, we know what the word says. And we're like, God love her. She's miserable. She needs him. He brought her coffee. (laughs) On the show. He doesn't know where the coffee is at home. It's a show. And we get distorted at the evil. And I'm angry at it. Coming after my babies, telling me you want a drag queen to read to my kid in a library. <laughs> you need to be tolerant. You're coming after my child and you want me to be tolerant? It's so bad today that anybody that points to basic evil, they say is judgmental or critical. It's just a little strychnine, poison. That's like saying I put just a little antifreeze in your key lime pie. Biblical illiteracy. We are inundated, inundated, swallowed up with false teaching, false preachers, false doctrines, producing gross deception and combined with personal apathy. When you have someone that is apathetic concerning the scripture and their walk with God and they turn on the television and take in 30 minutes of false teaching and wonder why they're so deceived. Let me tell you what illiteracy looks like. I graduated Central High School, graduated, 1980. I applied at Mercer, took my little test and realized then I had a ninth grade education. Now, I'm not blaming Central. If I'd have studied and done the work, I would, what I'm blaming them for is passing me. I'm, I'm the responsible, but passing me. And so, John, what are you getting at? Well, we got kids coming into homework, and I'm, my, I have one line. Go, go ask your mama. I am am educationally illiterate. Biblically, I got that going for me. I've studied the scripture. But daddy, do you know math? Go ask your mama. How about adjectives and dangling popsicles? And go ask your mama. I don't don't know whether they dangle. I don't know. I I, I don't know. No, I'm not being funny. I don't know. Oh, fractions. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I remember Dewey Decimal, but I could never find a book. I, I don't know. I don't know. And you, according to Facebook, you'd think I'm just out there running around with a bat trying to hit people, but we are biblically illiterate and think 
We know the Lord and are following the Lord because we got so-and-so six DVD series on how to do something or how to experience the supernatural. Our predicament is carnal Christianity. There's been an erosion, a compromise, a shallowness, and a carnality that is all too common and unaddressed. And it was not this way many years ago. Let me give you one verse. You know, just, oh, just love everybody. Don't really, hey, man, the Bible's fit for encouragement and doctrine and rebuke and reproof. 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that no unrighteous, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Fornicators. Neither fornicators nor idolaters or adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, none of them shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, not are. Hey, my name's John, I'm an alcoholic. No, not are. I was a drunk. I was immoral. I did live illicit. But now I'm washed. Now I'm changed. Now it's different. And now you'll see some woman marrying another woman and all the church people on Facebook. Oh, y'all look so happy together. What is wrong with you? What is wrong? How dare you talk to me like that, John? How dare you talk to them like that? And solidify a rebellion that could cost them their soul. For fear of saying something that would hurt somebody's feelings, we let them die in their sin. No, I'm not your judge, but the bridge is out. Don't come this way. People don't even even know what's wrong now. Yeah, the Lord, I had one lady tell me the Lord told her to leave her husband and marry this other guy that she was supposed to marry in the beginning. And that is nothing compared to what I hear. What, what do you do with that God hates divorce? Yeah, well, this is, this is different than that. That's, that's different than that. Carnality is living after the flesh. What do I want to do? When do I want to do it? How, who do I want to do this with? When, when self controls, and the Bible said that if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the spirit mortify the deeds of your body, you shall live. Which I'll get to. In just a moment. There's a lukewarmness. Jesus tells us in Revelation that uh, because we're neither hot nor cold, that he'll spew us out of his mouth. He, he would rather we were one or the other. There's apostasy and apostates, and there's rampant deception. Let me just read this before I get to the, number three is the meat of the message. Rampant deception today. In what we believe, how we live, and what is acceptable by God and what is of God. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven, he that doeth, doeth does not qualify us for heaven. It's the evidence that we're going there. Those who are born again, doeth. It's not the doeth, it's not the works, but the works The submission to God, to God's word, that's the evidence of the recreated spirit. Listen, many innumerable people will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devils, and in your name done many mighty wonderful works? And Jesus said, I will profess unto them that I never knew you. Not I knew you and forgot you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I just want to submit this to you. And I know this is a straightforward message, but listen, we get all the diluted stuff all week long, okay? Is this okay? Okay. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, how many of you before you were a Christian and how many of your unbelieving friends today go around calling Jesus Christ Lord of their life 
They say, I prophesy in his name and I do many mighty wonderful works by his, by his spirit. I don't know any. It's church people. Unbelievers don't say Christ is the Lord of my life. He's the authority. He's the final figure. He has the last say. His word is a light into my feet and a lamp into my path. He's my shepherd. I follow him. They don't say that. I never said I do. I prophesy in Jesus' name when I was a drunk, shacked up before Christ. I didn't say I prophesied. I didn't say I do miraculous works by the Spirit of God. No, it's church people. And Jesus draws the delineation between the professing Christian and the possessing Christian. He said, you didn't do what my word said. You made excuse for your carnality. We allow adulterers to stay in the pulpits. We ordain homosexuals. We allow someone to get up and blaspheme the name of God and still get to preach and teach and their churches grow. And we've got skit day and drama day and all of this entertainment going through. And these words, when I examine myself, there's there's a holy fear that comes on me. Don't let me be in the group of people that you say, I never knew you. I don't even know who you are. Well, I fail as much as anybody. I I group myself with them. The difference is those who possess eternal life do not call good, evil, and error truth. Don't ever call evil good and error truth. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Many will say to me in that day, Jesus said, Many, many, numerous people will say, Lord. He said, depart from me. Your life was filled with iniquity. Now, anybody else beside me commit iniquity? So what do we do? We repent. We go to our knees. We call it what it was, what it is. We repent. We turn from it. But John, I failed so many times. Repent again. The race does not go to the swift. It goes to the faithful. I know I'm a dog, but I'm God's puppy. I know that my righteousness is filthy, but his righteousness is wholly white and glowing with resplendent glory. And I, by faith, ask him to cover my nakedness with with his clothing, with his righteousness. Number three, this is our preparation. Verse 1b and 2a. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Letter A, we must be accountable. Look in the Bible, look right there, verse 1b. Let us lay aside. Salvation is of the Lord. It does not come by the will of man. There's nothing you can do to merit it or make it happen. Your sanctification, the power for it is available to you, but God will not sanctify you. No one else can do it for you and God will not do it for you. The weights and sins that are attached to you are your responsibility to unattach them. Any guys ever, I don't talk about you Bass Pro guys. I'm talking about you John Boat guys. Uh, with the little trolling motor, you know, the little small outboard. And if, if you have a, a big anchor, you know, a little John Boat and a big anchor like the SS Minnow would have used or something, you know. And the anchor, you forget to pull it up. I mean, you got the four hooks and a little John Boat with a little outboard, you know, a couple horse. And you, what happens? Somebody would say, oh, you don't go nowhere. No, what happens? Come on, guys. Start sinking or go in circles. All that force in you. That's why our Christian life is going nowhere. And that's why we're going in circles. 
because we talk about the, the motor and the boat and we're on top of the water. The water's not in us and we're going nowhere because we're dragging weights and sins that beset us so easy. It said it's easily beset you. I don't care about your history. I don't care about your gifting, who laid hands on you, who prophesied on you. If you're drank, dragging an anchor, you're going nowhere. Weights and sins. Sins, weights hinder you, sins disqualify you. So let us lay them aside. You do it. You do it. Well, I don't want to be a legalist. No, you decide what's hindering you. Anything that hinders your walk with God, your intimacy with God, your testimony to the world, anything that robs you of power and confidence, why I'm going somewhere, anything that dampens your zeal, darkens your countenance, hinders your song, that's a weight. Well, dear God, I don't get to do nothing. There you go. Narrow is the way that leadeth to life. And if you save your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you lose your life in these few earthly years, you will find it in the world to come. If any man will come after me, Jesus said, first thing, let him deny himself. How many of you haven't finished a movie in five years that you'd go see? I'm just so, I, I just ain't going no more. It's like G. I tell Kelly, said, well, it's a G. I said, what kind of G? <laughs> you, you go in, 30 seconds in, they take God's name in vain and do something else. You go, well, here we go. We just spent 60 bucks. We're leaving. Well, John, the way you're talking about sounds like there's a great cost to live free. Thank you. Now I'm going somewhere. Oh, I'm about to hit this. I'm about to hit this for our veterans. When you have people that talk about freedom or live in a freedom that they do not understand, it is ignorance on steroids. And it's like bad breath. They're the last one to know. That freedom that you live in has high cost. It has rules, it has order, it has borders. And man, I just say this for all the woke people. Can I just, can I just say this? Heaven got walls. I'm just, just a thought, just an idea. Just, just an idea. Just, just, just throw it out there that God has walled. <laughs> just don't put the Bible in it. John, it'll mess everyone up. Made me forget my place. Where was it? Hold on. Okay, let us. You have, to do it your, you have to do it yourself. And it's painful. If your hand offends you, cut it off. What does that mean? You walk around? No, we wouldn't have no hands or feet. No, it don't mean cut your hands off. You'd be pushed around a little walker with tennis balls on it. Somebody moving you around. What does it mean? It means you're going to have to sever vital things, vital relationships, people. God knows you don't want to be alone. I am, there, there are a few things that amaze me. You know, the older you get, it's hard to impress people. How many oh, are y'all past middle age? You know, stuff that impresses people, I've seen it, seen it. But when you can make an old person go, oh, what meaneth this? How, how? Can I take an orange extension cord grief that I have wrapped around my arm and set it on top of other stuff and come back and it has 60 knots in it wrapped in with rakes and tools and an animal we've been looking for a long time to pet dead. It's all wrapped and you pull it out and you're like, for the love of God, if I tried to tangle it up this way. That's just, I'm just going to ask when I get to heaven, I say, what about the extension cord? I want to know how does this happen? And I want to tell you that I've learned that life, the Bible says the affairs of this life, the things, it's so easy to be entangled 
with temporal things. And then you add to it the compromises that you make that tangle up your life. No wonder we're not getting anywhere. Well, I just don't go to church no more. I don't feel nothing. No, you ain't went nowhere in 20 years because of the weights and sins. Now, here's where you got to be careful. Don't let some preacher like me tell you what they are. You open the word of God and you listen to God's spirit and he'll show you where the sins and the weights are. Because a weight to one person might not be a weight to another person. But if you've got issues like me, just go ahead and write off the whole world as a weight and then let God tell you what you can do. Yeah, that's how I had to live. Okay. Well, I'm just, Lord, remove this from me. Angels are going. You lay it aside. I just, I've asked the Lord to deliver me. I ask him all the time and he just won't do it. So he's guilty. Evil. What we want to do is we want to live sanctified without paying the personal price for our own freedom, which means blood, sweat, tears, and death. To come after him, I have to deny myself. Pick up a cross, which is a tool of torture, and follow him. Well, John, I just want you to know I've been really blessed by today. I feel so energized. No, but it leads to freedom. I get to stand on this stage. It's not a perfect parallel, but because someone died to give me that freedom. Some man died in a foxhole and they never got his body to bring it back home and purchased my freedom. And to walk in Christ, someone had to have died. And now you're going to see them on television, disrespect the flag and dishonor those that have paid the price. What's worse than that is the one that has freedom and doesn't walk in it. I'm going to exercise the freedom of religion to the day I die for the Lord that died for me and for the men and women that gave their life that I might preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, we must be accountable. Number two, we must be stripped. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. The weight of our own sin and rebellion, the weight of our own weaknesses, compromises, rationalizations and failures. The weight of our sorrows, losses and pains. The weight of our weariness, battle fatigue and the journey that yet remains. Anything that hinders us from being who God has called us to be in Christ Jesus and anything that hinders us from doing what he's commanded us to do according to the scriptures is a weight. And he said, lay it aside. You do it. Well, if I lay it aside, I'm going to lose a relationship. Lay it aside. God can add a relationship. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. How about I just lay it right next to me? We all know what that means. That's like, you know, I'm thinking about getting a part-time job at Old Time Country Buffet. At the same time, I'm going to start a weight loss program. It's close by, but no, I'm not, I'm not eating that. I know it's free, but no, I'm, I won't. You go, that's how I feel when I hear people tell their stories. I go, yep, I believe you. <laughs> if you want to live delusional, I believe you. John eating chicken, if I work at Old Time Country Buffet. I'm eating it for breakfast. Well, anyway, where's my girl with the chicken shirt? There it is right there, southern chicken, okay. Listen to this. There is no weight that cannot be easily removed. Easily. I'm going to show you how to do it. Watch. Here's the weight. You think I'm being funny, but I'm going to really help you. Here's the weight, the thing that's attached to you that hinders you. You walk away. It's simple. But it's painful, baby. We won't, see, we say, oh, it's not simple. Oh, yeah, it is. You walk off. You walk off. Like when you're fasting, you walk away from the table. It's that simple. But when the pain comes, and you're fasting this third day, fourth day, fifth day, and you're smelling food on people. I walk by them and I go, you ate at the barbecue place, didn't you? (laughs) Brisket, you had brisket, didn't you? You're looking for old food under your collar. You're looking for... When I fast, I dream about food and I dream that I take a bite out of a cheeseburger and I go, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to get it out of my mouth. You know, we have misconstrued simple with painful. It's simple. Walk away. 
Delete the contact. Don't answer the email. Turn off the TV. Get rid of the downloaded songs and movies. And then pay the price of consecration. When your flesh screams, you're killing me. Like I don't feel it. I hit something then, didn't I? And there is no sin that cannot be easily repented of. No weight that cannot be easily walked away from and no sin that cannot be easily repented of. Let her see our preparation. We must be running. It's imperative that we're not only running, but that we're running the right race. What is our race? To heaven? No, that's the destination. Our race, our race as believers is Christ-likeness. Nothing more and nothing less. I want to be like the Lord. I want to bring glory to the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. Christ nearness, Christ likeness. That is why it is critical that we have a flawless example, the word of God, to lay our race before us and to compare our life to, which will always be falling short, but you can, you can succeed in heart. Lord, I want to be close to you. I want to bring glory to you. I don't want to be just a son. I want to be an honorable son. I don't want to be just a, a, a son. I want to be a faithful son. First Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as someone beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified running. And I know I've used several uh, secular and silly examples, but I really want it to click for us. And sometimes the simpler, the better. How many of you are concert? It's not bragging. It's concert quality musician. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. I just want to see where you are. Okay, concert quality. Is there a natural gifting there? And someone says, you must be lucky you had the gift. And you would reply, how many thousands of hours, hundreds of hours to that, right? How many of you have a doctorate or above? Wow, smart people. It must be nice to be gifted that way. And you go, wait, 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 wait a minute, catfish. Hold on. God gave me capacity, but I wrote those term papers. I didn't go out for three years. Now watch. What do you mean? I, that was my life. These athletes that are making hundreds of millions of dollars and all the people make fun of gave up their entire childhood to get to that level. The reason we're not reaping the reward of our faith is we've given up nothing in the journey. I am educationally illiterate because I did not take the time to learn in high school the things necessary to teach my children. And that's why I am incapable of leading them. I own that. That's why Paul said some of us ought to be teaching others by now. But our boat's still going in a circle. It's just going nowhere because we've never invested the time. We're, we're, we're encumbered and we've never invested the time running, going, gaining ground, increasing. You ought, to be, you ought to be able to look at your life a year ago and say, I don't even recognize myself. Our little kids are hitting growth spurts. Isabel is growing, Elisha's growing, and Olivia's growing. Olivia's growing. And she'll put on a little shirt. And I'm not making fun of her. And it don't just, it fit like a week ago. So what does that mean? Something wrong with the clothes? No, she's growing. The places you used to go, the people you used to hang with, the things you used to do, the movies you used to watch, and the songs you used to sing ought not fit you this year if they fit you last year. It ought to be closer to Christ. Closer to pure, 
honest, just, lovely, of a good report, if there be any virtue. I'm thinking on those things. And then we must be looking, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus himself, not the preacher, not a pope, not a cardinal, not a bishop, not an intercessor, not a teacher, not a Christian celebrity, looking unto Jesus, unto Jesus, Jesus exclusively, not Jesus and somebody else. Brooke, if you'd come, please. Jesus personally, not second person. Listen, this is how this works. When God gives a pastor a gift, a preaching gift or a teaching gift, you can benefit from me, okay? You can benefit from me, but I'm not critical. The only way that I truly benefit you is if I teach or preach on a subject and make it more clear to you so that you can push me out of the way and get closer to Christ. You see? Jesus personally, you don't date through somebody else. You don't work through someone else. Yeah, I'm not coming in today, Jeff. I called, I, I send somebody else. We don't court that way and we don't walk with Christ through another person. Jesus personally, according to truth, looking unto Jesus in faith, nothing wavering, looking unto Jesus steadfastly, expectantly and without any fear in anything see if we already suffered the pain of freedom free people aren't afraid of anything they've already paid the price on the battlefield they're unencumbered philippians 128 says and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is an evident evident token to them of their perdition and your salvation I'm not scared of you I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared of the news. I'm not scared of geopolitical figures, world leaders. I'm not scared of any of you. I have bowed my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. You cause me no fear. And finally, number four, our promise. Looking unto Jesus, the, come on, author and So I've looked at all the people that have went before me. I've owned the struggles. I'm looking at my weights and sins, which convicts me. I'm starting to run. And then I glimpse, not take a glimpse. I focus my eyes on Jesus who took upon himself the form of a servant and humbled himself whom God hath highly exalted and given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God, his lordship and kingship. And he's the one that says, I'll finish the work I started in you. That's a promise. Not let's hope we get there. What about all the people that didn't make it? They quit. Grace is available. Strength is available. The promise is available. Paul said in 2 Timothy, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord's going to give me in that day. But not me only. All that love his appearing. All that love his appearing. How free are you today? How free? What's, how much sediment is dragging? Listen under what other people cannot see in your life. It can be an evil thing or an acceptable thing. But if it's impeding the progress, priority would tell you, I got to get to the other side. Let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. And when storm comes, what do you do? Anybody been on deep water? What do you do? If you get in trouble, you start lightning or lighting the boat, lightning the boat. That tackle's worth $3,000. No, it ain't. Overboard. Overboard. If your boat's filling up with water, you're going to die right then. You're like, everything goes overboard. And as your pastor, I close with this idea. And please bear with me just two or three minutes more, okay? Christ is at the door. He's at the door. 
The trumpet is at the mouth of the archangel waiting on the call. You don't want to be anchored to this world. Accountable, stripped, running, looking, knowing that the blessed hope is right around the corner. Pull it up in the name of Jesus. Pull up that anchor. Cut the rope. Get rid of it. You'll never, there's no regrets in heaven. Whatever it costs you here, I got to make it there. My wife, my babies, we got to make it home. Whatever it costs here, we got to make it home. Whatever it costs here, we got to make it home. Therefore, brethren, being that we're encompassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily stop us. And let us run our race with patience. With our eyes focused on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, unencumbered. One decision can free you. You can go home to your house if it's hot and push one button and change the temperature in your house from hot to cold. What would happen in your spiritual life if you pushed the right buttons? Father, I believe this was a word for me and my carnality and my stupid choices. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Help us to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Help us to, to, to take upon ourselves the responsibility and, and weed our own garden, to pull up our own weights and anchors. Stop making these excuses and walk close to you and near you. So when the trumpet goes off, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is, Yes! I've been waiting for this. Yes! Would you stand with me this morning? So what if I'd have looked over and that wiry Phi Delta Theta guy, and I have to date myself to make sure I do it right. He's got on his dolphin running shorts. Y'all don't remember. Y'all remember the little dolphin on there? And he's got on, not, not gym, I had on tennis shoes. He's got on track shoes. Now they have wind suits and he's got his hair pulled back and it's real tight. And he's standing at the line like this. And I'm looking over and checking him out, and he couldn't care less who I am. And he's ready to go. I'm going, oh, this one's serious. This, this one's serious. Don't ever let the devil look at you one more time and say you're not serious. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.